Hey guys, Austin Nasso here, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited about this podcast. I get to interview Sean Kerrigan. He is such a cool guy. Sean is an improviser, stand-up comic, actor, and sketch comedian. Uh, He was just recently Coach Rafferty on Netflix's American Vandal. He also played a pretty big part on The Young and the Restless, a TV show that's been ongoing for over 40 years on daytime TV. Throughout this conversation, we gain a lot of like super cool insight on what it's like to be a professional entertainer and what that world is like and how he's able to balance these different creative mediums while still being good at all of them. So without further ado, here's our interview. I hope you enjoy. Dan connected us, and which was yeah. really cool. Dan and, Peralt, Dan Peralt, man, he's uh, he's the man. You know, we did we did American Vandal together, and he's he's been cool, man. Yeah, I'm actually super excited about that. Um, Dan was mentioning that, you know, when he when he like brought you up, he mentioned you as like a mentor to him, <laughs> as someone like. Well, you know, man, I, I was doing um, I was doing stand up, and and Dan. I don't know that I'm necessarily a mentor to him. You know, I think, I think we all like, we all just, it was just, we, we melded, uh, uh, Tony and Dan from, from Woodhead Entertainment. You know, they, uh, they, you know, they, 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 Dan was doing stand up as well at the time. And he just happened to be in the same club one night and saw me do stand up. And he goes, Hey man, you kind of look like Brett Favre. We wrote this, Brett Favre parody video called Brett Favre, what should I do? And we just can't find anybody. Uh, we can't find anybody to play Brett Favre, but you kind of look like him. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah. And then we did the Brett Favre video and it went, it went super viral and we just were, we were over the moon and then we just decided to keep doing some stuff together after, you know, after the Brett Favre thing died down a little bit, we were like, well, we should do something else. And then we did a whole bunch of series of different videos for Woodhead Entertainment. We did Last Words. Um, and then, uh, you, know, af- you know, I think after that we did Shark Pool and we did just like a bunch of different viral videos, Average Party, um, uh, Tom Corrigan. We, we did like a lot of like uh, yeah, fun videos. Those were so great. I saw a lot of those. Yeah, they were. it was a lot of fun, man. And... Uh, and then we all just started, you know, doing our own thing. And then these guys, they, they went and, and, uh, came up with this idea for American Vandal. And then I was off doing the soap and then I just happened to end the soap. My run on the soap just happened to end. And, uh, you know, after being there three and a half years and so I was free to do other stuff and they said, Hey man, we wrote this part. Uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's a football coach. He's the coach in the high school. We think he'd be perfect for it. So uh, why don't you come read for it? And so I went and read and auditioned for Netflix and and uh, that's amazing. And Wendy O'Brien and and next thing you know, it was uh, yeah, yeah. That series of events is like insane. I'm actually I'm super interested in. Uh, so you first pretty much you were doing stand up comedy and then they found you out and you kind of you guys started making that you did that Brett Favre sketch and then. Yeah went on to make other sketches under Woodhead Entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Right, Woodhead Entertainment, yeah. So how did, what was like that process like of onboarding and like, how did you guys develop Woodhead Entertainment? How did that come about? Well, what happened was, is uh, so we did the Brett Favre video and it was, 
it was just you know it was just in it, you know it, it it went viral and got like four and a half million views and then and then it, you know they showed parts of it on ESPN and uh, and so we were just really excited and Brett Favre even saw it. But wow. a buddy of mine was at a charity event and he asked Brett, he's like, Hey man, my buddy did a video of you. Did you did you ever did you ever see it? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I saw it. And he goes, uh, did you think it was funny? He's like, Yeah, I had a few chuckles. <laughs> That's so great. And so uh, my buddy was like, I just I just tell it, you know, Far said he saw it. And so he texted me, so it was funny. And then um But no, uh you know, I digress. We were at uh I digress. I digress. <laughs> Did you hear that, Austin? I digress. We digress. Sorry about that, everybody. I didn't mean to digress. Who the hell am I? <laughs> He's filibustering. <laughs> we have on? a filibuster from Shan Khan. Uh, anyways, so long story long, man. Uh, I hit these guys up after a couple months went by, and I say, "Hey, dude, we got we gotta we gotta make some more funny videos. What do you guys got? You write anything?" And they go, yeah, man, we wrote this, this, uh, this, this sketch called Last Words. And so I got my buddy Mark Pellegrino, who plays Lucifer on Supernatural. And I got my other buddy, John Bernthal, who was, uh, is the pun now, the Punisher. Oh, well. And so I got these two guys, I talked these two guys into doing our, you know, our second short video that we'd ever done. And they did it with us, man. And it was just. It was just awesome. It's one of my favorites. It doesn't have as many views because it's a little bit longer, but it, it just. Mm -hmm. And so then from there, we just decided to just keep doing stuff. And then until we all just started working independently, I think Dan went and was working for Fandango. Tony went and was, uh, you know, directing all kinds of different stuff. And then I was on Young and the Restless. And then, yeah, so we were all like doing our own thing. But, you know, Woodhead's still, you know, it's still there. Yeah. You know? So it's like you guys kind of rode that initial momentum of that. Yeah first hugely viral sketch yeah and then just kept making more i think what happened was is that tony and dan are so good at dude they're so good at at, at just writing funny ridiculous things but shooting shooting it extremely serious mm -hmm, exactly and so, and, that know, style yeah it's it's uh it's pretty cool man it's you know it's a lot like the the zuckers man you know and and I think those guys modeled themselves themselves after the Zuckers, you know, the Zucker brothers. They did like Naked Gun mm -hmm. and uh, you know Airplane and all those movies. And so, anyways, that's awesome. So, yeah. I'm curious about like in particular. So, you guys went pretty massively viral from that Brett Favre sketch. Um, how did you guys get? production value for your sketches because I was watching your sketches and they're pretty incredible yeah I production think I, value well what happened was is that that's also there uh you know we would hire we hired like awesome cinematographers and they were all guys that Tony and Dan knew and they were just these awesome like the each sketch each sketch we did you know we shot it like try to shoot it as professional as you could make it look and so you know we we hired great cinematographers and and I think uh one of the guys even worked on Vandal and uh, uh, Alan Alan Guiz man he, he's uh, he's he's awesome and so anyways so and then we also like you know either I would fund it or like you know it like we'd have like uh, I think one time you know we did it we did the one with Cuba Gooding Jr. 
short eyes and the search for the sh- shadow eyes. <laughs> and it just, it, it was, it was cool, man. And, and Tony's uncle helped us out with that. And so we just, you know, different stuff like that. We just like pool our own money and, you know. Sweet. So did a lot of people. And I like, you know, we get a lot of hookups. I knew a lot yeah. of guys in locations and stuff like that. So would you get like people to actually work pro bono or work for cheap? Oh yeah. Everybody pretty much worked for, for free, man. Everybody wow. was like working for free. Because they were so hyped about the initial success. They're like, this is mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, and you know, I think that those guys just come from a community of guys that just all help each other out. Like the McManus brothers, Kevin and Matt McManus, who were two writers on American Vandal. They also uh, uh, did this movie called Funeral Kings. And that was right out of college. And so Tony and Dan and all these guys, they all worked on that. And so then, and then when we were doing all the Woodhead stuff, the McManus brothers would come over and work on that. And then I did one of a McManus brothers movie called 13 cameras. So it's just like, we like all keep going back and helping each other and like doing stuff. And so it's, uh, it's really cool, man. And it's fun to be, you know, and see everybody having like, it's, it's amazing to see the, those guys have that success now because, you know, I told people for years, like, you know how how great these guys were, and they're proving it right now. I mean, they got nominated for Critics Choice Award. Wow, so, that's amazing! Yeah. yeah, man. So, pretty cool. So, tell me a bit about your own career. So, you do comedic acting, stand up, improv. You like to do everything, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do. I've uh, been doing stand up for like eight years now, and you know. I'm starting to get there. You know, it's, it's, you know, you start to get, you know, good spots. I'm a regular over at a club in North Hollywood called the Ha Ha Comedy Club. Yeah. And, you know, I do the weekends there. And then, uh, you know, I'll do, you know, occasional shows here and there at the comedy store. I mean, that's your dream. Your dream is to get to the comedy store. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, you get, you get the spots that you can. Totally. And, uh, and you just keep going, man, and having fun. How often are you actually going up and doing stand-up comedy? Well, I try to I try to do stand-up every night. Um, you know, I'll hit a mic. If, if I don't hit a mic, then maybe I'll do a sh- you know a show here, like get a couple shows in during the week, you know, and then hopefully a show on the weekend, stuff like that. So it's like like this weekend I was lucky I had a show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, and I hit the mics all week before that. So you just I think you always just have to find a way to get on stage. Whether it's a mic, whether it's a show, whatever it is. Yeah. Because that's where you're going to grow in comedy. Totally. It's, so you, even tonight, you're going to hit a mic, you think? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a mic and then I'm going to probably go hang out at the comedy store. Sweet. <laughs> that's what you right. do. That's what you do when you're a comedian. You just go like, you hang out at the comedy store or the improv or, or Laugh Factory. And, you know, my you know my my speed is the comedy store. and, and yeah. But all those those other places are great, too. The comedy store, I feel like, is the main kind of hangout spot. For the yeah, comedy. I mean, it's just they have a patio out there, a bar, and and, um, and like all the so there's just tons of people out there all the time, and it's mm-hmm. like you know you get all those names all over the walls, and it's just it's just a certain feel that the comedy store has that, that you know it's just very special. And those other clubs, don't get me wrong, are pretty amazing too. I mean, I've I've been you know it. You're lucky. Put it this way, you're lucky you get to hang in in any of those clubs and and perform any of those stages so um so yeah man wow so i mean i think it's really impressive that you're able to do all of those things like stand-up comedy comedic acting during the day and improv how are you able to like find that balance uh, of doing it all 
Because uh, I know a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, it's hard, man. I mean, I don't know. Lately, it's <laughs> lately I haven't felt like I've had much of a life. Um, but that's the that's that, like I feel like I feel like that's kind of when you start getting knowing that you're like you're really doing it is when you know your your life is just rotating around comedy and when you can get on stage and when you meet with this group to do this funny thing and um and but i i think you're always you're always thinking about the next thing that you have to do no matter what no yeah. matter what level you're at you know I'm, I'm constantly thinking about all right well what do i need to get to this level now what do i need to get that like in just and so the way I just feel that is I just try to do as much as I can yeah, and hope that I'm going in the right direction. Totally. Think, you know, I think I'm going, I think this is, this is right, right? <laughs> We're doing this right, right? Just getting like as much opportunity as possible. Just opening your, all the doors. Dude, opportunity. that's, I mean, look, you also have to be, you have to be strategic about it. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't spread yourself too thin. But there is a way to balance it and you got to, you know, you got to try to diversify your portfolio at least. At least that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but dude, I, regardless, you, you, like I have fun doing it. And yeah, that's, that's so important. Thing. And so I think that, I think that's, I think that comedy's kind of, kind of changed my life in that way. Where when I first moved here, I was very, I was just very driven to, you know, be this guy on a TV show or do this or be in a movie. And, and I don't know, necessarily know that it was the right reasons. And so you fall on your face enough, um, then you discover stand-up comedy and it just changes you. And you're just like, oh, wow, this is a whole other world that, that I don't know anything about. And same thing with improv, which I've been doing a little bit less than, uh, than, than stand up, but that's that's fun too. We've got a show coming up February twenty fourth uh, at iOS at the main stage. It's called Soap Bubbles. It's called it's an improvised soap opera. That's so cool. And uh, we've got Annika Nicole from Bold and Beautiful. She's going to be our guest star. That's going to work with our team Leg Day. Yeah, Leg Day is our improv team, and uh, and so it's going to be cool. We're 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 pretty pumped about that. That's epic. You guys just did Sketchfest, right? Yeah, we did Sketchfest up in San Francisco, and that was man. I was, I, I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. I was nervous because it's the first time we, like this team is pretty new and it's the first time that we've traveled to another city and, you know, there were some really, really good improvisers. We watched some really good shows before us and I was like, oh boy. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. insane. These, these guys are good. And so then we had it, but we had a great show. We had a great show and it was kind of like that, you know, it was like, I don't know, it was like the first first time we'd had like, a, you know, a great show like that out of town, and, mm -hmm. you know, and representing LA and all that. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's like a huge step for an improv team for sure. Yeah, so it was fun. So it was fun. Sweet. Um, yeah, man. Before I forget, so I want to go back. You said like, I mean, you're just talking about your day-to-day -day life and how it's like pretty much right. revolving around comedy. Right. Um, <coughs> do you want to, can you elaborate on, you know, what you're day-to-day -day life is like like how would what would a typical day be like in the life of sean kerrigan uh well i used to also be a professional boxer and wow so um so sometimes you know when when i'm in between acting gigs i'll give uh boxing lessons and 
it kind of keeps me sharp and then I also will work out myself. So you're just like the coolest person. I feel like <laughs> you just like box and then like, yeah. well, are, thank you. That's a very, uh, could you, an actor. is there any, is there any way you could call my ex-girlfriends and tell them that? Yes, <laughs> like, I will be sharing yeah, you on a horn. Yeah. Uh, did you hear that? Uh, if you're out there and you're, yeah, never mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll send the blast list there <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, man, no, it's, I, you know, I wake up and, uh, I'll I'll get some coffee. Try to read read some scripts. Um, you know I'm, I'm I'm constantly trying to look for something else. Maybe I'll work on some material, write some material. Um, What's like the first thing you do when you get up? Brush my teeth. Okay, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Take a shower, and then go get coffee. I gotta mm-hmm. go get coffee. Coffee. That's coffee it, dude. Listen. I, I, like I gotta have like it's gotta be my first my first mission of the day is going and getting a cup of coffee and it's very important and I, I have a Starbucks right down the street I don't care if it's corporate coffee you know what I enjoy it and I'm not gonna listen to any nonsense about how wonderful the people at Starbucks are okay <laughs> so I got my buddies down the street and I come in there every day and I'm like I'm like hey what's up what's up Damon how you doing man uh what do you order do you are you like i'll have a cup of joe or are you like yeah no dude i don't think i've grande said, latte i don't think i've ever seriously said i've i'll have a cup of joe <laughs> a cup right. of joe uh, hey man you guys sell uh you sell cups of joe here huh <laughs> cups of joe you sell cups of joe because that's what i'm in the mood for is a cup of joe yeah, right. that, what's your speed? What do you get? You get like black coffee? Yeah, I do. I feel like you, you drink black coffee. No, I did for a while, man. But now I, I started adding almond milk. I mean, I've lost my manhood. Almond but see, milk. but men do stupid things. You know, we just we just do like camping and chewing tobacco. It's all so Just dumb. things that reduce our lifespan. Yeah, like, dude, it's like, you know what I mean? For what? Like, what's the purpose? Yeah, I started drinking. I have like a kale almond I'm just like the most like Seattle person now. Yeah. It's like yeah. almond it milk. It happens. Kale and protein powder. Yeah, man. I'm drinking almond and milk in my coffee, dude. So my day after the coffee is I'll probably, like I said, try to read a script, uh, try to run some errands, uh, write some comedy, think about comedy. Um, some days are better than others. Uh, and then... I'll usually start heading over to the gym, the boxing gym, so I can get a boxing workout in. Uh, or if I run on the beach or something, like I'll, I'll do some sort of exercise because uh, otherwise I'll lose my brain. Uh, it's Anyways, so <laughs> so I'll do that and then maybe I'll uh, I'll train I'll train some people and then I go to the Ha Ha Comedy Club for the open mic and then I'll go to the I'll go to the comedy store. Or maybe I'll try to find another uh, another venue to go to. You know, it's like there's another place called Sycamore Tavern that started having shows. They're gonna, I think they're gonna have shows six nights a week. Oh wow! Sycamore Tavern on on Santa Monica Boulevard, Sycamore Tavern. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, sorry, I was going back into. No, that's that's great, yeah, dude. No. So that's cool. So right now, I mean, so it seems like you kind of make your own schedule. Pretty yeah. much. I mean. You know, and then of course there's auditions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of the comics life. And then I'm I'm out real late, so I usually you know you're usually a late sleeper. 
you're like mm-hmm. doing stand up comedy. Yeah, so, totally. Like I was out, I was out to, I was out of the clubs last night until two. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, man. I mean, but that's that's the that's the life, man. Yeah, that, that's cool. So like for you, when did you get to the point where? You were I able hope to, all that didn't sound very like I hope it didn't sound too pretentious or something. No, that like that's nice. that's the life of the comedian. <laughs> that's man. just the life. That's the grind. That's just hey, look, dude, it's what we do. We're comedians. It's man. show business. Okay, listen, man. I don't know if you know this, man, but we're like, this is we're comedians. That's what comedians do, bro. Listen, kid, you're you're gonna learn a lot. I mean, about this business, and I mean, this right. this is showbiz. Yeah, it's showbiz, man. Yeah, man. So, um, anyway, anyways, anyway, when, yeah, when sorry. do you, <laughs> no, don't, I'm back. No, you're, you're great. So when do you think you got to the point where you were able to just do comedy full time? Like you didn't, cause it seems like you're pretty, you must be pretty Man. like financially stable to not have to like full time be, you know, in the full time job grind and you can actually have time for auditions. Well, and, it was a lot better when I was on the young and restless, man. I mean, I'm still like. You know, I'm back to living the 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 artist life where you know you're you're looking for that next gig. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily I just shot a movie last uh, last week um, called Lolo. It's a movie coming out. It's uh, written and directed by this guy named Nick Ritchie, who I think is going to be one of the biggest directors to come out. I mean, he's really like he's fantastic. There's another movie that I'm in right now called Small Town Crime that's out right now. With John Hawk and John Hawks, and uh, that's directed by the Nelms brothers. And Michelle and Michelle Lang was a producer on there, and and it, dude, that 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 movie is fantastic. I mean, it's it's uh, so you can you can download that on iTunes right now. <laughs> awesome, sweet. So, so, anyways, it's like, but like you just you're like I'm out there like I'm out there trying to get gigs again. You know, I'm auditioning. Just yeah, like all the other actors, man. Just the grind. Yeah, dude. So, but. Makes you respect, you know. It makes you appreciate getting gigs more, you know. When you start, when you when you're out there, you know, trying trying to get them. Yeah. So for sure. So for you, what? (laughs) What were deep thoughts, man? Deep thoughts with Sean Kerrigan. Yeah. Um. So walk me through like. How did you first get into comedy and acting? What was your path out of? Did you go to college? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrestled. I wrestled in high school and college. I was. Uh, I wrestled at Manhattan College for three years, and then I was. Uh, was the captain there? Our last, my last year, but I still had two years of eligibility, and so then I transferred, and ended up at George Mason University. Because uh, my dad lived in the D.C. area and stuff. And that's where I boxed a lot. And that in Miami, I went back and forth. Uh, and because uh, that's where my mom lived in Miami. Anyways, so. What was your so, major? So, so I ran, well, my major was wrestling. <laughs> that was, you know, we would we would always, you know, joke about that. I mean, that, that was kind of my major was, you know, I was I was happy to be on the wrestling team. And then my last year at Mason, um you know, as soon as, as soon as that was over with, I went right back to boxing. So, and then uh, I was happy to be the captain at George Mason too, man. My last year there with uh, Rob Barlow and Ty Conan. Awesome. Yeah. Wait, so you, you majored in wrestling actually? Is that no, I'm just kidding. I, I know. I, I figured you just like went and no, like, no, no, no. I, I was, you were I, recruited or something. No, right? no, no, no. I, um, 
I had a uh, I had a bachelor's majored in wrestling. No, I was I had a bachelor of arts in, in speech communication. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, dude. So, um, but because uh, they didn't have at Manhattan where I first started, they didn't have a theater program. They had one at Mason, but by the time I transferred, I you know it, I was already I was already deep in it. Yeah, in the credits and everything. My credits for my major, so. So I just stuck with that. And, you know, I thought about being a sportscaster for like a split second because I love sports. I love, love sports. And I love watching ESPN is like, it's my therapy. And I went and did an internship my senior year, my last year at at CBS in, in Washington, D.C. in their sports department. Yeah. And dude, I, you just sit, you have to be like a sports junkie. You have to know every stat, every player, every this, every position, every, every, you know, statistic compared to these statistics. It's just, it's mind blowing. And it's wow. just, and so we had to sit there and log, watch the games and log all the good plays. Seems to be like a rain man of like sports. Yeah, man. You really do to be a sportscaster. And I just, like, I love watching it in my free time, in my leisure. But I can't imagine having that as my job. Yeah, that's wild. It's just, yeah. How did you get into, so, I mean, it seems like you had the desire to do acting and comedy, but how did you get into it? Like, what was the first, what was like the first thing you did related to acting or? Uh, I used to, I used to try to like, um, well, I I took drama in high school. Oh, okay. And so I got a taste of it when I was in high school in drama. And Carol Volk was my drama teacher. And then my buddies, I had these two buddies, Robert Laux and Carlos Mendoza, and they would make funny videos and they'd play them on the morning announcements. Oh, that's so cool. And dude, I thought they were so hilarious. And everybody in the school knew. They like, everybody, they were like celebrities in our school. For making these funny videos. Making these funny videos. And then, like my senior year, they started asking me to do some of the videos with them. And then I'd be in the videos too. And it was just like, dude, it was so cool. And, I, and it was like we were on TV, but in school, in, yeah. in, in high school. It's like a mini version of yeah. what you're doing now. Yeah, it was so cool, man. And so then I just realized, I was like, man, I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this. And, uh, and then I, but I wanted to wrestle and box first. And... So I got that out of the way. I, I wrestled in college. Then I like I wanted to have like five pro fights. I ended up having like yeah eight pro fights. Wow. Eight, yeah. And so uh, I don't know why I said like I got ended up having eight pro fights. How'd they get? Uh, I was eight now. It was eight now. And nice. And then you yeah. retired. Swiftly retired. Yeah. Swiftly, the, swiftly like, retired. Retire my right fights now. were getting <laughs> my fights were getting tougher, and uh, so it's time for me to go. Uh, <laughs> time to retire. Yeah. After I also had a draw that I don't talk about, but we're not talking about that. Won't mention it. Yeah, won't Eight mention the draw. and one, but we don't talk about the one. Okay, that doesn't that didn't happen. Uh, there's no that one. didn't happen. Scratch yeah. the one. Shouldn't have been a one. That should be nine and zero. Oh, all right. Anyways, <laughs> so, uh, but I'm eight now. That's right. I leave it at that. He's eight now. <laughs> I mean, like, the guy's eight. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what are yeah. we talking about here? We're yeah. gonna bring up the one. We don't need to mention. Why that. do we have to bring up the one? Skip the one. Skip the one. Let's <laughs> skip it. We'll, we'll skip what it. What are we talking about? I never even. I didn't even know that they mentioned the draws in the 
when you say that. So, you know what? We can, that we'll, son of a bitch had no right getting that draw. <laughs> I was better than him. I'm okay. I'm okay. You okay? You good? Oh, I am heating up. <laughs> I'm getting furious. You know what I mean? Whew. <laughs> All right. So anyways, yeah. So I, I, uh, I did that. And then I started doing these local commercials uh, around Washington, D.C., like my senior year, I started getting involved, started taking acting classes. I took classes at like these, like this, this one agency in DC was called the Erickson agency. It's no longer there anymore, but they were like, they were just like the sketchy in this, like agency. Yeah. Like they'd hire you for an acting job and you wouldn't get paid for like three and a half months. They do it because you're not in the union. So they can hold on to your check as long as you want. They, they just want. do whatever they want. Yeah. And then they can find and you'd be like, Hey, my check come in yet? And they're like, Oh, I'm collecting interest on it. Anyway. So they got, and they ended up getting in trouble for it. But regardless, that's where I started, man. I started in that agency. They had acting classes and stuff. And so I started taking these acting classes. There's this one actor named Michael Gable that did a bunch of stuff. And he was like my he was like my one of my first acting teachers. And he was great, man. He's been in a bunch of movies. And, and anyway, so then I had this agent named Jim Choate, and he'd start sending me on all these auditions. And I started getting like I like just these cheesy local commercials. Yeah. And like my, I still have my first show reel, dude. It's I love like, cheesy it's, local dude, commercials. It's like They're so funny. Yeah, dude, it's so bad. My first reel is so it's hilarious. Like, come on down to Donovan's Auto Repair <laughs> yeah. off of Exit like, Fifty Nine and the Four Hundred Five. Like, it's just like <laughs> we have tons of deals. <laughs> exactly. Deals, deals, deals. <laughs> I, think I did. I think I did. I I did a uh, I did a, a commercial. I did a commercial. Uh, a local commercial for this bar up by by Capitol Hill in DC. Yeah, yeah. It was called the Capitol, like Capitol Bar and Grill or something. And uh, I did this, and, and it, the guy I was acting with was Abraham Lincoln. That, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, excuse me, sir. And he's like dressed up as a, Abraham Lincoln. He's like, uh, do you happen to have an address? <laughs> and I'm like the bartender and I'm like an address book <laughs> and he's like no no an address <laughs> and, then, and then it goes capital bar and grill <laughs> do, you, like, do you have a location <laughs> do you have coordinates oh, oh dude and they tried to like you know try, they were trying to like make a thing where they were connecting his like you know, his address, the yeah. address with the address. <laughs> Please. That's so amazing. Terrible. So an address book. And that was on my, that was on my reel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I did this other That's one called, great. I did this other one called, it was a, it was, uh, it's called, um, there was a commercial. Like you ever see those commercials where they say, Hey, you want to get a patent? You know, uh, you you want to get a patent? We can patent your idea. Call Inventor Kit. Yeah, and you yeah. like send in your idea for an, you know, and you buy a pattern patent. Yeah, and it's like they just and they just they're ripping off all these people, you know, making them buy the, for inventions. They'll say we'll take your invention. Maybe they'll take your invention. Who knows? Anyways, I don't know the whole like gist to it, but there was a there was a PSA that I did that's like that try to prevent people from. Uh, Doing those things. Doing those things. Like, like, 
you know, and so, uh, so I come into this, the guy's like, so tell me about your invention. And I'm like, well, I have this, I, I have this machine. It like, it, it shines. It's got lots of, uh, lots of lights, lots of green and red lights. And he's like, oh yes, tell me more. And I go, well, it's a scam detector. <laughs> guy's like, huh? He like jumps back and I go, yeah, it's a scam detector. It, it can tell when somebody's, when somebody's trying to rip somebody off. You want to see it? Wheel it all in. Wheel it on in, George. <laughs> and then I go. So, tell me about your invention promotion services. <laughs> That's great. That's that so was, funny. What? So that was one of my first commercials, man. And then I just did a bunch of stuff like that. And man. from there, you were just coasting. And then, <laughs> that was just yeah, like dude, that. Was, you totally peaked. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was it. That was like, and then I started. Do, <laughs> and then I started doing these these uh, short films at American University. They have a film school. Yeah. And so I met these guys. I met this guy Joe Biancanello and, uh, and a bunch of other guys. And Joe cast me in his his short film. We did that. That was great. And then, um, you know, it was fun. And and then. And then he cast me in my first first feature I ever shot. It's called Mary Mary. I got a poster in the wall. Uh, uh, you can take a picture of it, man. It's, it's fucking, and, you know, show people on your podcast. But, um, or I don't know. Are you going to do that? I'm, I am. <laughs> does, this, that sound, does that sound like a plan? Yeah, totally. I'm okay. doing that. So, uh, anyways. I am showing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, uh, he, he wrote this movie called Mary Mary. And it's, it's my first feature film, and the guy who I act opposite with is John Bernthal, and who plays the Punisher now. Like, and it yeah. was it was our first it was our first movie together, and uh, our first feature film that either one of us did. And then uh, after that film, he went on and studied at the ART at, at Harvard, and then I moved out here, and then it's just the rest is history, man. But but that's how that's how I really like gave up boxing is once I did that feature, I was like, all right, you know, like, oh, and I also did a UPN pilot, uh, playing a boxer. I got my SAG card and I was like, all right, let me get the hell out of here. Wow. So, so how old were you when you got cast in that feature? Uh, I want to say I was 26. I was 26, man. Um, and you're doing professional boxing up until then. Yeah. Much. From when I was 24 to 26. Yeah. Sweet. So, for two years. so I'm trying to nail down the timeline. So, you graduate around like 22, Yeah, 22, 23, yeah. What were you doing in between 22 to 24? Uh, I guess before you were boxing. I was, I was fighting amateur. I was fighting amateur. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was still, I was still fighting. Um, I, gra I think when I graduated, I was 23. So that first year, mm -hmm. right out of college, I went back to boxing and I was boxing in the amateurs. And I fought all over the country. I was, I was, I was managing a sports pub on the weekends. Wow. And so. That's a cool uh, life. I forgot to tell you. I also managed this. I managed a strip club when I was in when I was in college. What? My last two years, dude. It's like ridiculous. This is just wow. That's so cool, though. Yeah, it was cool. It was I, my. It was a family friend who owned it. It was right outside. It's a place called the Crystal Sea Restaurant. It's in Arlington, Virginia, and my buddy Billy Bain owns it. And I I I, I ran it on the weekends. It was a weekend. It was like Pacey's and G String. It was like real low. Like it was like low key. It's a great place, but great food too. Great yeah. And, young. and I dealt more with the food, you know, and the waitresses. Uh, dancers kind of took care of themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, but 
I did that my last two years in, in college. I was the weekend manager there. And then, so then as soon as I graduated, I, you know, I wanted to have like a different, different place to work at. So I worked at the sports pub, which is right up the street. Same owners, Crystal City Sports Pub uh, on South 23rd Street in Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> and so, so then, uh, so then I worked there for a while and that's when I was, I started boxing you know, all over in the amateurs. Yeah. Like I fought all over in the amateurs and then, uh, and then I moved, I, I, uh, I moved up to uh, New York after I, I, I quit box. I, I boxed for two years professionally and I moved up to New York as soon as I quit. And I was up in New York for like six months as a bouncer. Really? Yeah. I was a bouncer at the China club and, uh, and I ran into Michael Rappaport, you know, the actor, Michael Rappaport. And, uh, he came into the club and we used to have all kinds of actors that would come into the club and I was just a bouncer. And so I asked him, I go, cause I was auditioning for stuff and yeah. extra work. And I asked him, I said, Hey man, uh, if you want to make it as an actor, should you stay in New York? Did you, did you make it in New York? Cause he was from New York. I said, did you make it in New York? Did you make it in LA? He goes, dude, if you want to act in TV and film, you got to move to LA. man. He's like, once you make it, then you can move wherever you want. He's like, you got to go to LA. So Michael Rappaport's the reason I moved, I moved out of So he got you to do the jump. I, I I then got with a bunch of people that were doing a bunch of like casting director workshops in New York. And there was a group of people from that, from those casting director workshops that were coming out here to LA. And so I drove my truck out here. I was only going to stay out here for like two weeks. And then I just, I, I did one of these casting director workshops and the casting director said, Hey, it's great that you guys are from New York and you're here and everything, but if you want to be an actor here, you got to stay here. You can't, there's no like coming back and like, you want to like be here for auditions and stuff. You got to be here. And so I just never left. Wow. My mom and my sister went and packed up my, my apartment and you just in never New went York. back. I never went back. Wow. And, uh, I've been out here. I mean, I still go back and visit now, but like I haven't lived in the East coast for 17 years. That was January, 2001, man. This wow. same apartment, this apartment used to be, that, that I used to have a fake wall. See that right there? That the marks on the ceiling. Yeah. That was because we had a we had a divider, and so no my way. roommate that I moved in here with that was his room. So it was a two bedroom. It was a two bedroom that way. And then and then I got married. I lived with my wife for a while, and we had divorced, whatever. And then so now it's just like the whole place is mine. That's so sweet. So, yeah, I've lived here for uh, seventeen years. Holy shit. Jeez, that's crazy. But I'm never giving this place up because it's, it's right by the beach and this cool. is a, a great spot. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's all right. It's okay. So do you own it or rent it? I rent this. I rent this, man. So. That's why it stayed the same, right? Because if you start well, it's rent control. That's why I can't give it up, man. It's that's like crazy. Yeah, it's if I if I moved out of here, this place would probably double. double. Yeah, double. Yeah. Wow. So this is, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um. So what was that, ca- sorry, I just want to go back, that casting director workshop, what, what's that about? Um, they were just, they were these, uh, like casting directors would hold like a class and you get to audition in front of them and stuff. And then if they liked you, then they bring you in. Now, a bunch of shit went down with the casting director workshops now, where it's harder to get brought in now because... Which really pisses me off. Some some actor complained that that he was getting scammed, and saying it's like pay pay for play. But for me, 
casting director workshops were amazing because I got to get in front of a lot of people. That's how I even got my, like I did an agent workshop mm-hmm. and that's how I got my agent. And, and it's like, and you could just pay to do these things. You could pay to do it. And then you're getting seen by like a prime casting director. So there's no like selection process. Like literally like I'm going to pay you to put me in this workshop. It, that you, was the process. You, that's the process. And you, they, there was like a, there was like a company that did it. Like, like, you know, it's called act now. And they were awesome and and they hired these and if you're not if you're not like a working actor you're not going to get in front of these a lot of these casting directors so there's an opportunity to be seen and you go up there and you read a scene in front of these casting directors and sometimes they'll call you in for an audition stuff like that and so somebody that wasn't getting called in for auditions complained and then uh they busted this really good casting director named scott david who cast criminal minds and he only, he was, would only, he wouldn't even cast people on breakdowns. He cast people only from his workshops, which gave so many actors a chance. It gave, a, it gave so many actors a chance that wouldn't have had that opportunity before. And a lot of them booked Criminal Minds. And he was like one of the favorites, one of the best casting directors out there because he really cared about the actor. Yeah. And he gave people a shot. And sure, you came and took his class, but you know what? He he gave you tips. He gave you acting tips. He gave you you know audition tips, things to do when you come in and read for him. Yeah, it's like it's like it's paying like, for a service that's valuable. Yeah, it was very paying valuable. for a valuable service. Like it makes and, sense. Yeah, and so it's a shame that they. But so that I did a lot of those, and they, it was different back then. And I got seen by a lot of people. I got a manager. One of my first managers was this lady named Lisa Pat. Pantone and she saw me in a casting she saw me in a workshop and uh, and so it's just man because you'd also have managers that would come to the workshops and do one and, mm-hmm. you know host it and agents too so. interesting so yeah I'm, I'm still trying to work out this timeline okay. um, so pro, amateur boxing pro boxing I'll give you the timeline you, right here I, I graduated yeah. in 97 okay Okay, from 97 to 98, I fight all over the country as an amateur. Fought in the national championships, won the gold gloves, all that stuff. Did all, did all that that year. Then I turned pro in, in October 98. I fought professionally for two years till 2000, till April 2000. Then April 2000, I quit and bounced up to New York from Washington, D.C. And, and Because I was living in the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And then went back up to New York, was in New York for six months, wasn't going anywhere, wasn't having any luck. Talked to that guy, Michael Rappaport. He says, hey man, go out to LA. So I joined these casting director people that were coming out here with a bunch of actors from New York. Yeah. And they were, we stayed at the Sportsman's Lodge for a week and did these casting director workshops. They told me I shouldn't leave. I never left. <laughs> and then... And then I've just been here since January 2001. Wow. So when did you, you did the, um, that feature length film? That was in DC? Yeah, it was in DC. So that was while you were boxing? Yeah, I just finished my last fight. And, and before you moved to New York? And before I moved to New York, yeah. Man. Awesome. So what are some major milestones of your like comedy and acting career um, from then to Vandal? Uh... Well, I think my most major was probably landing on the Young and the Restless. Um, How did that happen? Uh, I, I, they, I got an audition 
you know, and I had been bouncing around doing some stuff. Like I did a, you know, a Tyler Perry movie. I did like a bunch of other stuff, but it, nothing like the Tyler Perry movie didn't do very well in the theaters. And so like every, everything I did was just like, oh man, you get excited for something. Like I was in John Carter and then John Carter bombed. And so you're just like, man, I, I keep, you keep getting these projects you think are going to like, you know, you know, really do something. And then I got an audition for four episodes of, um, the Young and the Restless playing an, um, an army met an ex army medic who comes to town and to visit his buddy and kind of help explain my buddy's backstory of who he is because no because he didn't really have any, he was a new character and mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends on there and so they like let's bring this guy in to explain his backstory and so I came on the show for four episodes next thing you know they keep bringing me back they keep bringing me back keep bringing me back then in September or October I think it was October they called me and offered me a contract wow and so they negotiated a contract and then uh, and then I was on there for three and a half years and that's huge that was cool man I, I learned a lot on that show gained a you know gained a lot of really cool fans and, and uh, got to do a lot of charity events you know, got to go all over the place, man. It was, it was really cool, man. It was a really cool job. And uh, you learn to work real fast, too. Yeah. So that helped me. Like, when I got off, when I got off, I did Vandal, and then I did this movie called Confessions of an Exorcist. It's coming out soon. Um, and and then I just, yeah, yeah. so and then it, it's, you know, it's just been, it's it's been cool to like help you like you just you can work a little bit faster at a faster pace because mm-hmm. you know the young and the restless you get like one or two takes and then that's it you know and so it's it, you know in a movie you get like a lot of different setups TV show you get a lot of different setups and so it, it you know you get to you're a little bit more prepared to move fast yeah it so, just teaches you to be ready to like move yeah and be ready to perform I mean because. The soaps don't play around, man. They move. They shoot eighty something pages a day. Wow. Yeah, man. Three cameras that are constantly on the move, and they all the sets are all ready to go. All the guys that work on the, the all the crew, the the stage, they the crews on these fucking show these shows know what they're doing, dude. They know what the hell they're doing, man. They uh, they don't play, man. And and they're like, you'll have a whole stage that's ready the next day for like the different scenes and they 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 shoot in you know they shoot the item the item list usually there's like I don't know usually there's about 30 or 40 items they shoot so it's a lot wow yeah that's that's unreal I that's like scenes like like scenes like 40 scenes they'll shoot I maybe (laughs) shoot like uh, three scenes like in five hours for my YouTube channel so yeah, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, no, let me tell you, it's these shows have been on forever, man. That like the people, and the people that have been working on them, been working on them. Forever. It's like a well-oiled it's machine. A well-oiled machine, especially the Young and the Restless. They've been number one for forty-three years in in daytime television. Wow, it's over five million viewers. Forty-three years. Yeah, and then also. I'm sorry, they've been on the air for 43... I think they've been number one for like 20-something But years. still, being on the air for years. 43 years with like a yeah. continuous storyline... Yeah, and number one for 20-something years. Wait, so they have like literally like 
multiple generations. Yeah, multiple multiple generations. And in Canada, they they show the show twice. It airs twice in Canada, twice a day. Oh my god! Yeah, it's in Canada. The show is huge, especially Toronto. It's unreal. Yeah. So it was. So that was. It was really cool. But it's really cool to be on American Vandal now because it's a whole different demographic. Yeah. It's like eighteen to thirty-five. Yeah, it's now. cool. It's really cool, man. It's uh, and that role was so fun to shoot. Like, mm-hmm. It really was, man. It's like, oh, that 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 was a, it was a cool. Yeah, you want to talk about your experience on Vandal and um, like your favorite? Part I love you know. I I had so much fun. I have, you know, I did, every part was was really was cool. You know, it was just uh, it was just <laughs> it was just fun playing that guy who's just you know. He's kind of a douchebag, you know what I mean? But he's still, he's like, all right, this guy, you know? Yeah, and, like super condescending uh, coach. Also. Yeah. And he's like dating all the single moms, or, you know, or the moms. He's just, he's just, yeah. Anyways, it was pretty funny. How How is being on set? Like, how, was it just like? Oh, it's great. I mean, look, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, I've done so much stuff with Dan and Tony, so it was, it was like putting on a glove. Yeah. You know, it, it really, I, I know how, I know how to work with those guys and I know the things they want and I know the way that Tony directs and I know Dan's going to come in and like start pitching like one liners to you off camera, you know, and then, and then you get to make them up your own, like make up your own. And like he'll, he'll say something and I'll like do it. You know? Just like adding some improv elements. Yeah. Yeah. Like that line, like that line where I, where, where they go, uh, that wasn't a written line. The line where he goes, uh, so Alex Tromboli says that he got a hand job by Sarah Pearson. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I can't, I can't, I can't talk about that. that <laughs> is that what he's saying? <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. That's so cool. That, that there's just so much room for improv. Yeah. Was, you know, so that was like, that was improvised. And like, it was just, uh, man, it's so fun. Man. So how does that compare like I imagine in something like Young and the Restless, you don't have that kind of opportunity to improvise like that. You don't, but I would always, especially after I'd been there for a little while, I'd always throw in my own flavor at the end and add a little something, you know, just a couple lines or like, you know, yeah, add a, you know, I'd like throw something out there. I don't know. I never. I like to this day. I don't know if they liked it or not. Yeah, they just, <laughs> like, they just didn't comment. They're like, let's yeah, just keep going. Nobody ever said anything to me. It's like not like, and nobody, they didn't fire you. And, and they didn't fire me. So they're uh, who I like. They have like this little control booth. You know, they talk to you over the. They talk to you over the. Yeah, speakers. they're like in their and little. They're like in the. There's like this back in the back of the studio. There's like this control room, and you walk in there, and it's like you walk in to the Starship Enterprise. You know, there's just, wow. there's just screens, screens, and they're all sitting in front of, there's like two rows of chairs and they're sitting in front of this screen. It looks like, it's almost like NASA, you know what I mean? With all the screens and there's all these, these two different rows of chairs and the producer sits back here. The director's up there on the front line with all the other like people and they're all like talking about the camera, like switch this camera, switch to that camera, switch to this camera. And it's just, and they sit back there. And who knows what they talk about back in that little control room, you know, back yeah, in the, you have they, no it's idea. it's called the booth. And then when they want to talk to you, they just, they key it and they're like, Hey, so listen, 
you know, when you do that, step away. Don't step in this way or like make sure like, you know, the, the directors will give you notes. And then if sometimes like you're not, you're not doing it or they need like, they have a different vision of how the scene is, they'll come out from behind the booth and they'll come out and they'll talk to you. And so you don't, you know, you don't want, you don't them, want, to, them, to don't want them to have to you, come out of the booth too much to talk to you. You don't want to hear the door open. No, man. You know, I always get worried when I see the, the, the director coming. I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? Is it me? Am I doing something? Is it? Oh, it's her. Okay, good. What are, What are you doing wrong? Let, let, yeah. <laughs> so stressed. That sounds kind of stressful. No, it was. Uh, no, but it was. But it, man, you learned how to perform. It was a lot of fun, man. It was really ah, so good, man. And the people that that you you, you get to meet, and the people you get to work with. You know, working on young like, and then you're on that stage that that's been there for years. I mean, they shot the Carol Burnett show there. They, they shot so many, you know, so many different TV shows that Price is Right shoots right across the hall. Wow. And Bold and the Beautiful shoots across the hall. And so you see these different actors walking. It's really cool. That's so, such a cool experience. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool, man. I was very, I'm very grateful for the time that I got to spend there, man. So for uh, Tony and Dan's set, yeah. um, how, how did that, compare what was the feel of that i mean i imagine it's similar to like a woodhead a more professional version of like the woodhead yeah. productions yeah it was uh it was a trip uh there was a moment where i saw these guys and i saw the the crew that they had and the stuff that they're shooting and i looked man i was like man these guys have come a long ways and uh in a way we all have we all have, we're, you know, we were all doing different stuff and, uh, it's just really cool to, to watch your friends, everybody, it's, it's cool to like, to grow with your friends and like see them successful and you have your own, you know, certain success. And so it's just, it's, uh, it's cool, man. And then you just hope that it just keeps going. Yeah. In, in all honesty, you just hope that, you know, cause you could, you could hit a dry spell sure. tomorrow. It's, I mean, American Vandal has the season two coming out. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm not in that. It's it's shooting up in Portland, but it's still it's going to be amazing, man. I know the joke. I know the joke of what what's coming in season two, and it's pretty funny. But the same two kids are in it. The same the same leads. Yeah, yeah. The investigator characters. Yep. yep. Jimmy Tatro's still in it, right? I don't think Tatro's in this one in the second season. It's a really? different location because it's going to be in Portland. I don't know. Maybe he's going to be in season oh. two. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll find that out. Yeah. I wonder who would, how that would work without him. But I don't know. Well, because it's a whole different mystery. Oh, it's a whole different thing? It's a whole different thing. It's in a different house. Oh, they're, they're, oh. It's in Portland. I didn't know that. I thought they were continuing. No, it's, it's, it's a whole different story. Cool. But so the same I've two done kids, a lot of the same, the same two kids are going to be investigating. So I don't think a lot of it, it's not really out there. I don't think it's out there yet. A large demographic of the audience from this podcast is aimed to be people that are, you know, young people in their early twenties or just mm -hmm. out of college. I want to pursue comedy and entertainment. Um, so are there any, is there any piece of advice that you'd offer, you know, up and coming people that want to be in this space? Yeah, man, get ready. Get ready to enjoy the struggle because that's kind of what you got to do, man. You really got to, you got to, 
you got to kind of enjoy the fact that it's going to be hard. And sometimes it's not hard for people and they hit it right away. And then sometimes after they hit it right away, then it becomes hard. And there I, is that hard part. Yeah, there is that hard part. Now, it's not, not, there's very, like, sometimes it's not. Sometimes there are people that are just lucky and they, like, you know, they, they hit their first project, they're out of the gates, and then they don't stop working after that. And, and we hate those people. So <laughs> those people, people, those people are bad people. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm just kidding, man. It's just, you know, it's, I think I'm just very thankful for the the journey I've been on because I think think, I've been at this for 17 years. So when I do work, I'm a little bit more appreciative. Yeah. You know, and that anxiety for the next job is never going to go away. Totally. And what, like, no matter what, no matter what level you're at as an actor or a comedian, you're just never you're you're just you're you're always gonna have that anxiety of like all right what's my next what's the next thing I gotta do what's the next thing I gotta do how do I get to that next level how do I how do I get past here how do I get over there how do I get to that point how do I you know and you're just constantly pushing yourself but you have to take stock in your victories and celebrate your victories and just keep trying stuff. So that would be my advice. Well said. Uh, how about um, what is the most common worst advice that you hear <laughs> for people in the space? Uh, anybody that's like, hey, you got to do this. <laughs> anybody that says, hey, you got to do this. This is what you got to do. Does not know what the fuck they're talking about. So just like there's no dogmatic way of like really there's no man there's no blue there's no like one blueprint for anything especially in in acting and comedy man it's it's there's no like that that might work if you're trying to become a lawyer you know and you want to you have a certain path that you want to you know choose as a lawyer I mean I, I'm I'm not versed in in law yeah so I I don't know if I don't know if that's no, there's a path. There's right? a certain path. Undergraduate. Sure. You do that. Law and then you like, school. Yeah, and it's, 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 so you have a... Like that. But what I'm saying is that for acting, it's just, it's so much more abstract. You know, it's just, uh, there's no, there's no clear way of how to get there. It's just the thing, the one thing you got to do is just constantly do stuff. Constantly try to do stuff. And, True. That's it. You know, that's that's the advice. Cool. So, thanks. Um, what are some, what are some like habits that you think people need to adopt to be successful in the space? Uh, are there any particular habits you have that you think have attributed to your success? I think just constantly trying to put yourself out there. Um, trying to find different ways to uh, to push yourself as a as an actor or comedian, like give yourself more opportunities. Like do 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 a lot of friends, you know, videos, funny videos, short video. Like do a lot of that stuff. I mean, look, I also think the game is changing now with Instagram. So there's still a lot. I think I'm a little bit behind the the eight ball as far as 
utilizing Instagram and, and uh, YouTube and everything the way I could. Um, and that's, the, I mean, there seems to be a lot of people that are becoming successful that way too. And so I think it's just constantly, I think the, the, the thing is you just got to constantly just do something. Yeah. You know, push yourself. And the one, it, the, the advice I will give, if, if you want to be an actor, find a great, great place to study acting. Because I attribute a lot of my, like my success to the, the, you know, the people I studied with at Beverly Hills Playhouse, uh, Milton Kitsellis. Um, he really like drummed it in about being an artist. Um, and then, and then later on, I really wanted to learn the craft of acting. And I, so I, I changed schools. I went from there. I went from Beverly Hills Plaza. I went to Playhouse West. It's a repertory theater company in North Hollywood. And Bob Carnegie is the, is the head of it. And he studied under Sanford Meisner himself. And Meisner even came out towards the end of his life and taught some classes there. Wow. And it's a really great school. And it taught me the craft of acting, the Meisner technique. And... I think it's really pop, like I think it's really important if you're going to be an actor to to really learn the craft and the same with comedy too, you know you got to like study comedy as well. How how do you would you say studying comedy like just improv? Yeah, type just classes like you know like that, I, I I went through the whole program at I O, and then um, you know you read different books, truth and comedy, read the book improvise and there's different books, you know, and, and, and to kind of, I mean, when I was an actor, I, I, you know, I read a lot of books as well. I read, you know, uh, plenty of books that talked about acting and, and I even read the, the fervent years, which, uh, I think it was by Harold Clerman. And, um, and that was, dude, that was an incredible book. And it just talked about like the whole, um, the whole movement, the whole change in acting from like, you know, the stagey acting that it was to like the Marlon Brando kind of like real method type of acting. Yeah. You know, and it talked about the Stanislavski. These guys all went over and they studied over in Russia. They learned this technique, the Stanislavski te technique, and they started doing the method and everything. And then, and then I think it was Harold Clerman and Stella Adler went back and studied with Stanislavski and. They told him, "Hey, man, yeah, we're not really doing the sense memory and all that stuff anymore. That you know, we've changed it." Oh, and I think Sandy Meisner too. I, I don't know. So then they came back, and so the neighborhood playhouse kind of split, and you know, at least there was a big fallout. Lee Strasberg kept teaching the method, and then Stella Adler, Harold Clerman, and Sanford Meisner started teaching their, you know, their way, and then, um, yeah. So it's just a history of acting. That's cool. Yeah, those that books are all important to read. I think. What would you say are some of the the most uh, valuable books of those acting or comedy? Any come to mind is just Meisner like on acting is fantastic. Um, there's a book by Boleslavsky that I read a long time ago. You know the thing about books, man. It's just like you know you can get so much if you're like in if you're like I used to take notes. I don't read books like that anymore. I, like I used to like I was I used to take I need to start doing that again <laughs> like like reading like like because those were great books you know now it's like you know uh, I just don't know if there's you know people are studying acting like that like I mean I don't know maybe they are what the hell am I talking about? 
you know, man, in my personal experience with acting, you know, I don't read it, anymore because I, I notice yeah. it, it um, <laughs> in, impedes the process. So I have actually someone read for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, um, dude, that's hilarious. Any, um, any people in particular you'd say would, that were like a role model for you or a mentor? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's this guy, Clifton Collins Jr., who I've, uh, and Mark Pellegrino. Mark Pellegrino has been kind of a mentor. He's a fantastic actor, man. And uh, he and I met at the boxing gym my buddy was giving him boxing lessons and I was like training some people and like you know Mark's been acting for a long time he gave me some tips and he's the one that took me uh, brought me over to um, Playhouse West and he's a fantastic actor man I learned a lot from him. I used to take Shakespeare class with his with his uh, him and his wife and his wife taught it Tracy Aziz and, and it was just you know, he was he was he was a good mentor, you know, and and really taught me a lot about being truthful in in moments and how valuable it is to really listen and respond and be truthful with your acting. And so, yeah, he was. He, I would say Mark Pellegrino and Clifton Collins Jr. And just I did I shot a half a uh, a season on a TV show with Clifton Collins Jr. It's called The Event, and. That guy taught me a lot about how to be on a set, how to you know how to treat people with kindness. And he was just so cool and just talked to everybody and just he's so open and he's just he's one of the friendliest guys and and the coolest, helpful dudes you'll ever know. So, Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. Sweet. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot to ask you. So I want to say, are there any moments for you in your career where? maybe you experienced like a very difficult hardship or failure and yeah, like how did you respond to it and how do you I, generally respond to those kinds of yeah things? I, have the, I have a bit on YouTube called I'm a failure you, you can have to look it up and it's all about how I was on I there was a reality show called Next Action Star back in 2004 and they auditioned people all over the country uh, and the winner got to star in his own action film and and so they auditioned people. Like they thought it was gonna be like the next American Idol, but for actors. Yeah. And so so I auditioned. I auditioned for this, and and I got it. I got on the show. And then each week they'd eliminate a, they'd eliminate a contestant. Yeah. Until it was down to one guy, one girl, and then that guy and girl got to star in the movie. And so I I did this show, and then I I won. I won the show, and then I got to star in a TV movie with Billy Zane and we shot out in Ohio in Cleveland, Ohio and we shot the movie in secret because the show hadn't aired yet so the show came out and the show bombed because they they, they showed like they shot it like it was the surreal world like the, the real world mm-hmm. and they showed a lot of that stuff they didn't show as much of the stuff that you know like they show on American Idol where it's like the actual training and, and, and the singing and the stories and all that they didn't do that they showed like the bullshit in the house people arguing about like fucking who fucking drank all like whatever yeah you know what I mean just like stupid shit and so the the show didn't it didn't it didn't do much and then when the movie came out like I, the critics came out and the critics dude there was a an article in a newspaper that said I had a better chance of modeling leather jackets than being an actor 
Dude, wow. that is some harsh shit to read. And so I have a bit on YouTube called I'm a Failure. And it's all about how like I had this opportunity. This is one, my one moment. And I like for years thought I just, I had my opportunity and I blew it. But little did I know, it brought me to comedy. Wow. So how did how did you respond to that? With it was hard, comedy man. Or like, it must have been hard. At it was hard. And that's when I started studying Meisner. I, I I went back to the drawing table and I talked to my buddy Mark and I go, hey man, I need to do something. He goes, go to Playhouse. And so he, so I, I went to Playhouse and I, I started at the beginner level and I learned the the Meisner technique from beginner, intermediate, advanced. Like I just, you know, each class, you know, you were in the class for a while. And yeah. So I was there for a couple of years. So did that motivate you? Oh yeah. Or, so yeah, it, I mean, it didn't, and, it, and not only that, but you're it, not like I'm done acting. No, All right, I'm gonna no, go bottle other jackets now. Yeah, exactly. You didn't do that. No, and then I, I luckily I was able to work. I started working a lot as a, com a commercial actor. I shot like twenty some commercials, and so yeah, man. So I did that for a while, and then you know until I started working theatrically again. Dude, it's been a long road, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so like much, so much lot, experience. Man. Yeah. I'm 43, so it's, you know, it's, uh, I guess you learn a lot. It's 17 years in this business. You do a lot of stuff. So, you know, I'm just lucky that I've been able to do the stuff that I've done and, and get up off my ass when I did fall on my ass. So, and hey, man, I may be on my ass again. You don't know. It's just, it's. So, like, what's your attitude? Matter. You're pretty much like, I'm going to keep going no matter what. Is that kind of. I mean, I mean there's nothing else I can do. What are you gonna, the, you know, I didn't give myself, <laughs> I didn't give myself another plan. Uh, you know, I still, uh, I still love it. And I'm always going to love it. And, you know, even, even through the lean times, you're out in a comedy club laughing with buddies. It's pretty cool. You know? Totally. So. Anything before we, uh, finish off, anything you want to like plug, anything coming up, cool projects you have? Uh, I'm trying to think. I just shot a movie called Lolo that's coming out soon. Uh, it's a coming-of-age story of these uh, four teenage girls. Um, and I play one of the, you know, they, they come from low-income housing. And I play one of the girls' uh, mother's, alcoholic mother's deadbeat boyfriend. And so they've got some great scenes. I got to work with Elaine Hendricks. She's been in so many movies and all kinds of stuff. Probably know her from like Parent Trap and stuff like that. Oh she yeah, is, yeah. She is awesome. She was she was incredible. And um, so I was very blessed to work with her. And then I I mean, oh, well, I was very blessed that I got to. Work. I was just happy <laughs> to work with her. I, don't know, I was so blessed. Uh, I fucking hate it when people say that. Oh, so I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed. I'm on set today. Hashtag blessed. And it's like them with a latte with foam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shooting. Hashtag blessed. Uh, so, so yeah, so I was blessed to work with them. <laughs> and then, and, uh, and then, and then I've got another movie that I was also blessed to work on. <laughs> <laughs> called Confessions of an Exorcist that's coming out yeah. soon and uh, Chris Freeman wrote and directed that one and I'm very excited we shot that in Columbus, Ohio so I'm excited about these projects and then out right now is Small Town Crime uh, you can download it on iTunes and that is starring John Hawks 
and uh, Octavia Spencer and Robert Forrester and Clifton Collins Jr. and a uh, bunch of bunch of awesome actors, James Lafferty, James Martin. I'm de- my name's like down there. It's like you know, <laughs> I'm down. You're on I'm, it. Like, I'm in there. I'm in there somewhere. What size font would you be if it were a like uh, probably like, yeah? Like put it this way, like. I'm only in one scene. It's a very memorable memorable scene, but don't go get any popcorn during this movie. You might miss it. Okay. No popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get get your popcorn beforehand. No, it's a it's a cool scene. I, I was doing Young and the Restless, so they offered me a, a, another part, and I couldn't do it because I was doing Young and the Restless. But they did give me this this uh, the this scene that was that's pretty cool. And uh, it's a, it's a memorable scene in the movie, so I'm psyched about that. Uh, it's called Small Town Crime, and you can download it on iTunes. Sweet. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate buddy. you being here. Yeah, dude. Thanks, man. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was a ton of fun. You can follow me on Instagram at the Austin Nasso, and you can follow Sean at the Real Sean Kerrigan. Uh, remember to go to my website, WorkingComicPodcast.com. And subscribe. Put your first name, your last name, and your email so I can just let you know when the next podcast episode's coming out. I'm going to try and at least for now put out two a month, two to three a month, Um, but I will let you know. So be sure to sign up there. Thanks, guys.